He's given us a what? A spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. Amen. And, um, and we can take what God has for us. Amen. And what he's promised us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Why don't we uh, find our seats and just stay in that space of uh, ready to receive. Amen. Ready to receive what the Lord has for us. Hallelujah. Doesn't have to just be through the word, you know. Remember, the things of God are not just taught, they're caught by His Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit's very real, you know, and He wants to work in hearts and touch, touch us like only He can. And, um, you know, we, we came in that way, didn't we? We came into the kingdom of God that way, you know, where He was moving us, He was touching our lives, He was, He was making Himself known to us. And, uh, you know, and we, and we were so open and so ready and then religion hit. <laughs> and then, you know, oh no, we do it this way and, you know, we got to have it this, you know, and the patterns and the things that so often, you know, stop us. Uh, it, they're not designed to stop you from receiving, but, but what happens is the way that we give ourselves to those patterns that we are stopped from receiving. All right, so no blame. Just, just recognize that, you know, if we have a church service, we're going to have an order of service. But that shouldn't stop you from receiving from the Holy Ghost. You know, step in. You know, make sure you come with your expectation just cranked up to receive what the Lord's doing. Hallelujah. Well, we, Father, thank you today for all that you're doing, Lord God. Father, from start to finish today, Lord, from the minute we walked into this building today, Lord God, until the minute we walk out. Lord, we thank you that you're alive and well and that you're working in hearts and lives. And Lord, we, we uh, anticipate, Lord God, your glory here today, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we are stirred in our hearts by faith, Father, uh, to receive from you, Lord God, both by your word and by your spirit today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, again, um, we've been uh, uh, in this series on God's love for a good number of weeks now, actually. And uh, it's, it's no wonder that we are still here. The Apostle Paul prayed over the Ephesians in chapter 3 that they would uh, uh, understand and would have the power together with all the saints to comprehend the length, the width, the height, the depth, and, uh, and of course, the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. And it says that you might be filled with the fullness of God. I like it, you know, uh, that our greater understanding of the love of God has an impact on, on, on uh, our, um, uh, I guess you could say, walking in the fullness of God. Our greater understanding of God's love for us. Um, you know, our comprehension of his love for, his, for us is connected to us being filled with the fullness of God. And, uh, you know, he is a living and loving God. The Bible tells us that we are to be imitators of God. And, and that involves walking in love toward one another. And someone says, to what degree? Well, Peter gets told 490 times. That was the degree. How many times should my brother sin against me and I forgive him? 490 times. And then at the 491st time, you can say, Nick off. Is that true? 
No, good. I'm glad I've got a few people saying no because that, you know, the, it was a play on the words. It was a play on the numbers. Peter came and said, how many times did my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And he said, seven times? He's thinking that's big. And Jesus said, no, not seven times, Peter. Seven times, 70. 490 times. And then after that, you can get revenge. <laughs> no, he wasn't saying that, was he? And uh, so in other words, it's just, we need to keep going that way. Uh, countless times. Just keep going. Just keep going. And uh, we know that there's no limit. We have to love others to the same degree that he loves us. I'll say that again. We have to love others to the same degree that he loves us. And this is where we go to another level. We go to the kingdom level of loving. Not just that nice, well, I like them and they like me and I'm going to love them because they love me. and it's The kingdom level of love is a whole different level of love. And we know that there's not a limit. We're to love others to that same degree. He loves us unconditionally, sacrificially. That's the kingdom level of love. And we should be those who imitate his love. Hallelujah. You know... Um, It says there in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, and I'll just bring it up. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. In other words, we should imitate our heavenly father. We're sons and daughters of the living God. We should imitate him and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. The Greek word, therefore, imitators, is the Greek word, mamatis, and it's the word that we get mimic from. When was the last time you mimicked someone? They did something, you did exactly the same. When was the last time you did that? Bit of a kid's game, really, isn't it? Mimicking. And, um, you know, uh, there's actually, I'm not, I think it's more France where they have the, you know, where you can see people who are, who are live, that, that's their drama, I should say, that's their stage show, to be a mimic. And they mimic things and they do things, you know, um, you know, the whole glass, hit a glass wall and do the whole thing. And they've got the, they've got the white, the white, um, uh, makeup and the, and the eyes and the, the whole thing. That's a mimic. All right. But we're called to imitate, mimic our heavenly father. I'll tell you a testimony. I have told this a few times before. So all of you that can have heard it can just do crossword puzzles or something while I tell it. Okay. But. I was uh, probably three or four um, as a young boy, and my father was at the at the sink shaving. How many times have I told this? You guys would know. How many? You haven't heard this one? Okay, 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 good. And I, oh, you've heard it before. Rachel's heard it before. So there you go. Someone else is saying ten times. I've heard this one. Okay. But there I was. And uh, what do three or four year old kids do? They want to. They want. They want to imitate their parents you know they want to do what they're doing and there was my dad shaving at the sink and uh and he's frothing himself up with the brush and the soap and he's got that and and there was a little bit there on the thing so I grabbed some of that soap and I'm putting it on as well I was just a little tacker you know three or four years old and uh and of course he had to stop for a minute and change the blades of his razor and of course uh, he didn't think or wasn't thinking about it he put the razor down the you know the blunt one well as you know a blunt razor is still sharp and of course as I'm there and I'm mimicking dad I'm going oh I need that <laughs> so I grabbed the I grabbed the blade and next thing you know I've there's blood and, 
and I, and I see the blood and, and, uh, and of course, the funny thing was, was that I actually passed out seeing the blood. I passed out. But I didn't fall down. I just went quiet. <laughs> I was stood still and just passed out standing up. And my dad sort of after a little, little while looked down and there I was still just standing there. And he said, Pete, Pete, you okay? What's up, Pete? And I was just... <laughs> didn't fall over, thankfully. And because uh, he wouldn't have known. I would have probably knocked my head or something, you know. So, But um, mimicking, mimicking your heavenly father. We're called to do it here in the area of love. We're called to do what our heavenly father does. People should have an experience of God's love when they get around us. Not just the storge love. We've looked at that. Not just that storge or phileo love, the two other Greek words that describe a type of love, you know, a, an affection love or, or um, a friendship love, but the kingdom level of love, which comes from God the Father, that we've experienced, that we've, that we've uh, uh, walked in when we received Jesus as Lord and Savior, when he forgave us everything, even when we didn't deserve it. It's the truth that we've been studying and we've been uh, seeing from Scripture that this is the message of the cross. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him should not perish, that have everlasting life. His extended love to us when we were not deserving of it. The message of the cross needs to be the same. The new commandment that Jesus gave the church was not go out and judge each other. And find fault with each other. It was not go out and convict the world of their sin. Conviction is the Holy Spirit's job. Amen? Remember that. Conviction is the Holy Spirit's sin. And he will convict the world of the sin of not believing in Jesus. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit's going to do outside the church, okay? So, you know, when we look at scriptures like John 13... Verse 34 to 35, we get an understanding of what Jesus was saying when he said, A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you also must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Wow. The kingdom, of, the kingdom level of love is sacrificial. It's unconditional. And God demonstrated us to it in Christ. So I don't know what that feels like. Just remember how he's loved you. And just know that that's how we're called to love others. Unconditionally. Sacrificially. It's, has, it has, this kind of love has no strings attached to it. It's not that I like you, so I will love you. It's not based on my preferences for a friendship being met. It's not extended to others because they've been nice to us. But make no mistake, it can shine when someone has hurt us. Because it's a forgiving love. It turns the other cheek. It goes the extra mile. And we've all been there, both ends of that equation. Luke chapter 6 and verse 27 to 31 says this, But to those of you who will listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. In other words, get ready for another. 
And if someone takes your cloak, do not withhold your tunic as well. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what is yours, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And of course, Jesus speaks to the need for the church to demonstrate that, that same love and highlights that this level of love, this, this higher kingdom level of love will make others look at why you can walk in love. It'll make them look. I think we were talking about it maybe during the week or maybe last week. There was a testimony of a Smith Wigglesworth, um, very, very f- famous Pentecostal preacher, mostly known in Pentecostal circles. And what's not quite known was, was, was that he was saved, but he went away from the Lord for, for a while. And, um, and he was particularly uh, uh, um, annoyed with his wife going to church still. He wasn't going anymore and, and he was annoyed with her not going and so he used to mistreat her. And, uh, and of course it was really interesting because what happened was is that he would, uh, as she went off to uh, evening services uh, there in England, I think, uh, uh, Bradford, I think it was Bradford, England, somewhere like that. And uh, uh, what he would do is he'd lock the door so she couldn't get back in again. And, uh, and she would come home, knock on the door, he wouldn't open. Knock on the door again, he wouldn't open. And so instead of screaming out, yelling out, making a fuss, she'd just, just park herself on the, on, the, on the step of the door, lean up against the door and go to sleep. And she did that several times. And, and uh, of course, the last time it happened, the very last time it happened, she did the same thing and... And, of course, he came in the morning and unlocked the door and opened it. And, of course, she fell in. And she sort of picked herself up and said, so what would you like for breakfast this morning, Smith? Just kept showing him love. Just kept showing him that, that unconditional, that sacrificial love. And just, just kept on going. It's hard. She did it. And guess what? She won him back over. That love melted her heart. And I remember having my own, my own life and experience very, very similar to that, where I was just probably going in a very religious vein of Christianity, which was not very loving at all. And I was going down that track and finding other Christians who didn't believe like I believe was something that I enjoyed and have a little sword fight with them in the street and, you know, cross scriptures. And, and, uh, and you know, I came across a guy who'd been taught about the kingdom level of love. And it just ruined me because I just couldn't get past his love. He just kept loving on me, kept on loving me. He wasn't having an argument. He just kept on loving on me. And it just made all the difference. Broke me down. I couldn't go out and street witness like that ever again. And part of my testimony and how the Lord's brought me through to you know, greater maturity and some of those things. You know, the kingdom level of love is identifiable in the way that we communicate with each other. Just make that a major point. In all the years that I've been walking and talking with God, praying to him and hearing his voice, being led by the Spirit, I've never heard him say, Peter, you stupid idiot, to get my attention. Or, hey, dopey. He's never talked down to me like that. It's always as a loving father. He never ridicules. He never accuses and Jesus said, and it's a good thing, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. The voice of a stranger they will not follow. 
You know who talks like that? The accuser. The accuser of their brethren. He talks like that. It's rough and it's hard and there's no love in it. Don't listen to that voice. Whenever you hear it, don't listen to it. We try and push you into things that, that are not of God. You know, his communication with me has always been from that place of encouragement, always loving, even when he's corrected me. His chastisement, you know, his corrections will always feel, you know, you know, leave you feeling loved. And I've uh, and I have had some hot chastisements from the Lord, you know, where he's just interrupted what I was thinking or believing or doing, and has just given me a hot displeasure. But it's always it's still left, left me feeling loved. Actually, the book of Hebrews says that God's chastisement when we are trained by it, will always uh, leave you feeling, you know, that peaceable fruit of righteousness. You know, that, that ability to sort of know that you're right with the Lord, even though he's just corrected you. Amen? It says that it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness when we are trained by it. What we see by God's communication of love to us is that we need to adopt it as well. In our relationships with each other in the church that will make us shine for him. That was what he said. Uh, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Now, disciples are what? Disciplined people. I don't know about you, but I've learned that these are disciplines that you walk in. Disciplines that you actually continue to apply to your life. But, you know, by this, all men shall know you are my disciples. If you have loved one for another. So our relationships, our communications are all very much an identifying factor to those that are outside the church. He says, don't use corrupt communication with each other. The word he uses uh, in this passage in Ephesians, uh, the word he uses for corrupt means rotten, unwholesome, putrid or foul. Make no mistake, every believer that goes into the world and uses foul language amongst believers or unbelievers ruins their witness. All right? That's what happens. You ruin your witness. They're not listening anymore. As I heard someone say, no one knows how a Christian should behave better than a non-Christian. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> they know how you should behave. And I tell you what, if you ruin your witness, that's it. Ah, well, you know, that church thing's not working for you. Look at you, you know. <laughs> that's okay, you can get back up again. Actually, remember this scripture, Micah 7, 7. I love it. Rejoice not against me, my enemy, for when I fall, I will arise. I will get back up again. Write it down, Micah 7, 7. You know, Paul says to use words that build others up. Words that edify. I'm not saying any of this to, re- to remind anyone of a time when you failed in any of this. Because we've all failed in it. Amen? I'll tell you what, quite often, God didn't get me out of the church choir. You know, when he saved me. I wasn't there. You know. I wasn't trying to be a goody two-shoes and I wasn't putting a big dent in it. I wasn't even trying. But God came into my life and, and, and showed me his salvation and I accepted his salvation. Amen. And it was by faith that I received it, just like you did. Ephesians 4 and verse 29, it says this, 
Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed uh, for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Whoa, what a good word. Even as God in Christ forgave you. Why we should clean up our communication with each other is that the atmosphere of unity in our fellowship is impacted by those relationship communications. Paul starts with foul language as a, as a cause of grieving the Holy Spirit. But then he goes on and he lists a range of communications that should be put away from us. Absolutely. The takeaway here is that they, they also grieve the Holy Spirit, the way we communicate. Who's ever felt the, the grieving of the Holy Spirit? A few hands, few hands going up. You know, when you're just doing something and the Holy Spirit went, ugh. He just, he knows how to squeeze that part of you and says, no, not right, not good. He gets your attention, actually. And, you know, I would say most times, most times that grieving of the Holy Spirit has come when I've been talking, when things have been coming out of my mouth. All right, no hands going up now, but I tell you, (laughs) that's the truth with me. I've been talking, you know, and saying stuff that I shouldn't have been saying. And the, and the Holy Spirit gets grieved by that. And you feel it. You say, oh, I don't know. For me, there's no worse feeling, you know. Let's look at verse 31 in the Amplified. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. And in the Amplified, it says, perpetual animosity, resentment, strife fault finding and slander be put away from you along with every kind of malice all spitefulness verbal abuse and malevolence that's some big words there but it's you can see it's talking about what you say you know your your you know your attitude and what you say what is the answer for that kind of ugliness and unedifying communication that grieves the holy spirit well uh, you know Paul gives it to us in verse 32. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know, the leadership of the church will be the first to remind you and confirm to you that we understand that we cannot do uh, anything without the Holy Spirit. We'll be the first ones to confirm that. We so rely on his guidance, his direction, his presence, his power in our services. And, and, his, and get this, his presence is impacted by the way in which we relate to one another in our gatherings. An atmosphere of unity in the church where the Holy Spirit brings his corporate manifestations, signs, wonders and miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's developed not by us finding people we like and just gathering with them, 
but by being determined to be those ones that choose to build our relationships through biblical communication. The type that builds each other up. You know, allowing grace to fill our speech. Not just about us, but about others. The Bible talks about esteeming others better than ourselves. Have you done any of that lately? No hands. Praise the Lord. Esteeming others better than ourselves. In other words, thinking about them as being better than us. You know, we treat them like that. That's a challenge, isn't it? Just throw that right out. Actions that are kind, overlooking offences, being forgiving toward one another. Those are disciplines of harmony. When you start to live that way, you watch. You watch what it will do in a family home. When someone starts to say, I'm just going to live this way. Makes a big difference. And I'm sorry, revenge is out. When we start living this way, revenge (laughs) revenge just doesn't come into it. It's not listed in the fruit of the Spirit, I noticed. Someone robs you the wrong way, does wrong by you. The Bible says to go to them and sort it out between you and them. Not plot a way to get back at them. Withdraw your love and kindness. Not find people to go to and spread strife with and who will listen to your complaint and agree with you. We kind of do that, don't we? If you ever have someone come to you with a complaint about someone else, and I'm just going to put it out there to you because this is, this is, you know, that, that little ounce of, you know, that little, you know, bit of medicine that, that is, is well and truly worth putting into a congregation. If you ever have someone come to you with a complaint about someone else, be kind, be loving, be a listening ear, but make sure you tell them to go to that person that they have a complaint with. So you, there's a chance that they can sort it out. I'll tell you what, it's the truth. So that they can reconcile, so that they can repair their relationship. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's the golden rule. Get very quiet in this Pentecostal church, you know, start talking about some of these things because we've all been there. 1 Peter chapter 3 says, Um, Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called, and get this, and I've underlined it, I think. To this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Get that. In other words, there's good that will come out of it to you, even though it's hard even though it's a tough road sometimes to walk this out. I've only got a few scriptures less, so hang in there with me. I love this passage that um, Peter uh, brings here. One of our Bible college lecturers made us learn it off by heart. And it's always stuck with me. Because Peter then quotes from Psalm 32, and I like it. He says, For whoever would love life and see good days, that should be all of us. For whoever would love life and see good days, that's everyone. Because we all want it. And sometimes we struggle getting it. But he says it. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil. And his lips from deceitful speech. 
He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are inclined to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who doesn't want to love life and see good days? No one I know. Everyone would say, I'd like to to love life and see good days. You don't find people who say, I don't want that. But notice, our quality of life is driven by what we speak. The communications that we allow. Proverbs 18.21 tells us that the words of our mouth are important. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It says, and our words have consequences. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit of it. Either good or bad. No matter how you use it. No matter how you put your tongue to work. It will produce fruit. Death or life. Like circumstances. And that word deceitful, speech. Just hold on while I give you a definition. Just hang in a little while longer here. That word deceitful speech is a Greek word dolos. And it speaks of language that has a purpose to bait. It's the same word used in the Greek that's used to describe the way that the religious leaders came in covert to trip Jesus up and find a reason to kill him. It's that word deceit. The gifts of the Spirit, especially the discerning of spirits, help us to discern that type of cloaked and hidden speech and communication. In other words, what you're hearing sounds good, but it doesn't sit well with your spirit. And that's the Holy Spirit showing you. That's that Holy Spirit giving you a witness. Some of you might know what I'm talking about. But the the gift of the discerning of spirits gives you a little warning bell. God's design for the church is to come together in unity and one accord. When we do, he commands blessings. He opens heaven over us. We do that by choosing to love one another. That's how we create the right atmosphere for his um, presence uh, in our midst. To speak words that build up, that don't tear down. Some believers will say, oh, I so want open heaven. I so want revival. But they struggle with their relationships, allowing deceitful speech to get in. And a trail of disaster is behind them with their friendships. Just understand, you know, the biggest problem that we all face is right under our nose. Right under our nose. It's in our mouths, what we speak, what we say. So it's the disciplines of harmony that we must give ourselves to, constantly checking our hearts against strife, slander and evil speaking, corrupt communications, the Bible calls them, Repenting often until you just don't go there anymore. You know, just correcting yourself. You can say, Lord, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have even thought that. I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me. Help me, Lord. I want to be better. Help me, Lord. I don't want to be bitter. I want to be better. Amen? Proverbs 26, 20, a small one. It says this. Without wood, the fire goes out. Without a gossip, a conflict ceases. Isn't that a good one? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the sons and daughters of God. 
I believe you shared it in your uh, message there. Uh, Greg, I think you did, yeah. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the sons and daughters of God. This is maturity. And we say it here in this church is that, you know, uh, uh, the maturity that we're looking for is people have the father's heart. That's sons and daughters level of maturity, where we have the father's heart and we see as the father sees. That's walking in love. That's choosing to see people from that lens and purpose of loving others like God loved them. When gossip is being communicated, be the ones that hose it down. We're called to speak well of one another. Believing for the best of every person. And Proverbs 22, verse 10, it says, Drive out the mocker and conflict will depart. Even quarrelling and insults will cease. And then verse 11, He who loves a pure heart and gracious lips. Say that again. He who loves a pure heart and gracious lips will have the king for a friend. Isn't that a great scripture? Just, I've not seen that verse 11 before. He who loves a pure heart and gracious lips will have the king for a friend. Which king is that? King Jesus. So he'll be right up there. He'll be there right up there with you. Just uh, with you in your fellowship. With you when we gather together. You know, when we have that pure heart and gracious lips. Speaking words that lift up, that don't tear down. Amen. And again, I've got Psalm 133, verse 3. We looked at it last week, but behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil that ran down um, Aaron's beard, running down the edge of his garments. It got over everything. That's what happens when we, when we dwell together in unity. The Spirit of God's just able to get on everything. You know, there's no hindrance for him moving freely and letting his oil to run on us. It says in verse 3, it's like the dew of Hermon. That also comes down, doesn't it, the dew? Uh, descending upon the mountains of Zion. I've never been there, but um, if I did ever get there when there was dew, I'm sure dew was on everything. And that's what happens when we dwell together in unity. We start to operate by the disciplines of harmony. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. And when I tell you, when the Lord commands blessing, Everybody's, it's going to get on everybody, you know, when we gather together. So let's continue to develop ourselves in those disciplines because they are disciplines of harmony, walking in love and forgiveness, watching out over our, our own heart when offence comes. Not if, but when, because offences are surely going to come. Being those people that overcome evil with good by loving our enemies and praying for them. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. I've gone a little longer today, but there's been a few things going on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this day, Lord God. And we, we are so glad, Lord God, for your presence. Lord, for your purposes, Father God, in this church, Lord God, we thank you that we see a people being raised up, sons and daughters, Lord God, of a living God and a loving God. We see them uh, rising up as mature sons and daughters, Father, who have your heart and see as you see. Lord, we thank you for this church, Father God, that is a place where they can gather and, 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 and love on others, Father. See others the way that you see them, Lord, and learn to live that way. Lord, we thank you for your grace today and your mercy, Lord God. We thank you for your goodness and kindness showed to us in Christ Jesus. Father, as we close today, Lord, we thank you that 
We are a people that are pursue love, Lord. Like First Corinthians fourteen one says, Lord, it says pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Lord, we thank you that as we pursue, we find your presence. We see your gifts and your anointings in our midst, Lord, and we give you all the glory and all the praise.